The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. of sleeping pills. But an investigation is now going on and no final conclusion has been reached. Here is the statement from Deputy Coroner Cronkite. On the basis of all the information obtained, it is our opinion that the case is a probable suicide. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio. The life, the movie, and the investigation all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. Well, as Goodnight Maryland fans, we are growing around the world each and every day. And it's because of you and this story that we're shedding some great light on this mystery that's been haunting us for 53 years. Well, we're in season two, Marilyn's last day. So many people surrounding Marilyn the last day of her life, and they're all connected. But how? Well, we're down to our last two remaining live shows of the season for Goodnight Maryland Radio, and we'll be back January 2013, or 2016, we'd be going backwards, 2016. So I suggest that if you were just tuning in, that you play catch up and listen to them all on demand. Well, joining us are on a regular basis, Gary Vitaco Robles, icon, lifetimes and films of Marilyn Monroe. Volumes 1 and 2, and Immortal Maryland's Mary Jane and Leslie Kasperowitz, who will also bring their expertise in years of research. So we want to hear from you, too. So call in at one 472 5788 and tell us your thoughts and ask the panel a question about the discussion. Well, this week, in honor of 9-11 and the kickoff to Belief Days, I'm starting out with a Life Bite segment, not just a thought this week. I have a very special guest with me who will be filled, I'm sure, with compassion, Sister Jenna, who will be joining us in just a few minutes to tell us about Belief Days. And today's Life Bites question is, how can you create more peace in your life today? 
I also have a very special shout out to a colleague of mine who passed away this last week, Deb Robbins. May your soul rest in peace. You know, we've met, uh, we met about 10 years ago. Uh, she wrote a book called Where Peace Lives, and she was on my radio show promoting it. And Where Peace Lives is a, is a timeless book and wisdom for people of all ages. So it's for both children and adults. And it's an adventure to free the angel of peace. The only hope for the world is to find the three keys to set peace free. It's inspired by the universal teachings of Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Buddha, Jesus Christ, Moses, and Muhammad. Well, (laughs) I would imagine that today we probably need a little bit of their wisdom. The storyteller uh, discovers that the three keys to peace are not always what they might seem. So I think the book is still available. And we also have some great shout-outs to Brian in Los Angeles today, Livia from Santa Rita, Guam, Sherry from Clovis, New Mexico, Gia from Costa Mesa, California, Victoria from British Columbia, Ron from San Nicolas, Aruba, Louise from Dublin, Ireland, Aniko from Budapest, Hungary, Pete from Glasgow, the UK, Megan from Reno, Nevada, and Michael Reed, who did not give us a city, but a shout out to all. Also have a special thanks to the Voice America Radio Networks and Randall Libero, our executive producer, Mike Surgit, our engineer, and of course, Jen, our social media person. So let's, let's talk a little bit. As I said, we're going to open with a Life Bites segment Belief Days. It starts today, September 11th through the 21st. It's inspired by Oprah's landmark upcoming belief series and the International Day of Peace from September 11th through the 21st. And uh, people around the country will be engaging in conversation called the Belief Days of Compassion and Healing. And you know, you've heard me say this on this radio show, especially as it relates to Maryland. You know, you'll hear people say, you know, it's such a tragedy. Well, how we can move from tragedy is that we move to transformation. And in today's message about compassion and healing, that's exactly what we need to do is we move we need to move from tragedy to compassion and healing. And that's why I'm honored to have my guest, Sister Jenna, is an award-winning spiritual leader, author, radio, television personality, renowned speaker, and the founder of uh, Meditation Museum in the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area. For decades, she has demonstrated an extraordinary level of improvement in the quality of lives, ranging from the heads of government to children. She's traveled to over 80 countries where she continues to provide practical tools and solutions that empower and foster and build stronger relationships. So I am honored Mm -hmm. to have you on the show. And she also has a wonderful radio show herself called America Meditating. Sister Jenna, welcome. Hello. Hi, Nina. Om Shanti and hello to everyone. I'm very glad to be here with you, especially on this particular day. Yeah, and I and I want to first uh, talk to you about this because this is, you know, what exactly is Belief Days? And what are we well, trying to achieve here? Well, you know, we're trying to achieve that we will not be living through a 9-11 at 8-47 when the first plane uh, went into a building and there were innocent folks just going to work in the morning. And the belief system is actually engaging individuals from all walks of life. Uh, you might be aware, but 
uh, Oprah took her network crew to 33 countries to find people to understand what it is that they post from in their faith. Now, one is to find your strength from your faith, but then there's also another pulling, and that is the faith within the self. And so the beliefs, the belief series will be seven consecutive days, beginning from October the 18th to October 24th. Yeah, Nina, you're involved, and uh, we're inviting so many people from around the world. This has become, I think there are almost approximately 9,000 events already planned before the launch of this television series, Nina. Well, and uh, the... And it takes grassroots as well to be able to get something like this in the attention and uh, the need for something like this as well, Sister Jenna. It's a big, it's a big call because it's looking at your spirituality, but also your religion, and it's looking at your personal capacity as a person. And so there are questions that we will be asking ourselves in, in, in these series, and I think it's very bold. It is challenging. But something that I've learned, which is um, from Values Partnership, and they're the ones that own Hired to really mobilize all of us together, you, mm-hmm. me, and so many of our friends around the country, um, there's a very strong alliance right now of spiritual and community leaders building in this country. And I am so enthused to wait to see um, not only the energy by October 18th, but the energy after October 24th and see what we do with that because we will come to some sense of, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's divinity or if it's truth, Nina, but I don't think that we would allow the emergence of this hate to breathe through that easily. Well, I think that what you're saying is is really important and impactful, especially a day like today. And that's why I wanted to take a little bit of extra time on on 9-11, because it's not just American history that is affected. It's world history. And it's it's happening every single day, you know, throughout, uh, you know, throughout the world where people are utilizing hate instead of peace. So you, you said something very interesting about transformation. And when I started the show, I was talking about Maryland and moving from tragedy to to transformation. How can we move from this tragedy that happened in 9-11 to our own transformation? I think it's very, very important to ask yourself mm-hmm. the right question. I think it's very important to do that. Um, let's just say you're not feeling good. It's important to ask why. What is it that I want? The second thing, it's very important for us to observe our thoughts and what those thoughts are saying because our interpretation in our lives are, are all focused around the, the thought forms that we percolate and nurture in our minds regularly. So I, I really want to ask everyone because I think it's so vital to ask the right questions and to observe your thoughts. And the third thing, please, Every day in your life, do an act that gives happiness. It is important. It's that simple. Not rocket science. It's not rocket science, but it's also, it's simple, but for a lot of us, it's not always so easy, and it's uncomfortable. 
you know, because that also, it means maybe going into the unknown, you've been operating in a pattern that might not have, uh, have been serving you. And now you've got to, you've got to reach, you know, or down, uh, dig a little bit deeper in order to uh, learn a little bit more about yourself and, and where these feelings are coming from. So, so what's, what's next or what's going to be happening in these, you know, from the 11th to 21st, there's obviously conversations going on. How can somebody get involved and how can they learn more? Well, as of today, the Believe team launched the 11 days of Believe Days. Hashtag Believe Days is how we're keeping in touch with each other, sharing our experiences of some questions that they're leaving us to raise. What is your vision of a healed world? What is your vision of a healed world, Nina? And well, yeah. How do you even, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a powerful question. question. Yeah, those are yeah. some very, what are some other questions that people can just kind of uh, ponder on in their own life today and through the, the next the, well, you know, 10 days? Sure. Connecting to the 11 days of series, there's also another question as to how is it that you would like to bring into community the realizations from the questions, from the answers that you've gotten from your question and how do you actually um, follow or receive benefit from your belief. What is your belief and how do you use your belief? There are three to four core questions that are available for anyone on the Believe Team website. And again, if you hashtag Believe Believe Days, you'll get a chance to really follow this global conversation that's taking place. But what I want to say more than anything else, Nina, is if we don't check what's at the core of our belief system, how do we know where we're going? Wow. Can you say that one more time? If we don't check at the core of our belief systems, how do we know where we're going? I mean, what we don't have a foundation if I don't have a belief. You know, wow. You, your, your belief is your conviction. I believe I'm pure, and so I'm going to go wherever purity will find me. If my yeah. belief system is a Jew, then I want to do everything that Abraham left me to do. If my belief system is that I love music and music gives me happiness, I'm going to go wherever I can find good music. But it's important to know what do you believe in? What's at your belief system? Well, and it's it's very, uh, I love what you're saying because I had a sneak peek on the Oprah series, you know, Belief. And I think what she does is she allows us a peek, uh, an entry into the variety of different belief systems that all of us have. And if we can come to those other people's beliefs, they may not be our own, but if we can come to it with compassion, with understanding, with, uh, you know, like I said, it may not be what we believe, but then there's a tolerance. And this is part of the problem of why we have and had a 9-11. Well said, well said. I'm not even quite sure if Owen is even aware of the traumatic shift that's going to be happening because of this series, because when everyone sits or goes into their communities that might be screening the television shows between October 8th and the 24th, the kind of a conversation that will be derived, I think, will be life transformative. And these 11 days from 9-11 to 9-21 is to keep percolating and creating these questions. So we're so ready when we're sitting there. 
we can feel it. I've got to be in charge of my life. I mean, no, no one else. So taking, yeah, exactly. So everybody that's listening out there, it's important for, you know, we can blame everybody else for what is happening or not happening in our life, but it's important for us to take responsibility and listen to some of these messages, regardless if you believe in anybody else, take responsibility for your own beliefs and how you can make the world a better place. Because we're at a very important time in history, uh, a counterpoint to all the violence and hatred out there is something that can lead with compassion and healing. So I just want to say thank you so much, Sister Jenna, for being on the show today and uh, also sharing a little bit of your wisdom. And for those of you that want to read a little bit more and get a little bit more, Sister Jenna will be on the Positively Positive Smash social media site with her article uh, starting this Sunday to, again, uh, continue the wonderful momentum of Belief Days and the new series coming out from OWN called Belief, October 18th through the 24th. Tune in and learn a little bit about somebody else. So thank you, Sister Jenna. Mm, Thanks, Nina. And thank you for the good work that you're doing as well. All right. You take good care, and I hope to see you soon. All right. You're listening to Goodbye. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm your host, Nina Bosky. Thank you for allowing me a little bit more time today than I usually take on a Life Bite segment, but I think it's important um, that wherever you are in the world, doesn't have to be here in the U.S., this is, this is something that uh, in this own series is going to be looking at uh, a variety of countries, a variety of beliefs, so, so please, uh, you know, tune in and uh, think about your own beliefs. And again, how may you bring a little more peace, not only to the world, but in your own life. So we're going to take a quick break. And uh, with uh, me is, of course, the panel. We're back and we're going to be talking about Bobby Kennedy and the suicide prevention team. We've got a lot to cover. Very excited. Gary Vitaco Robles, Leslie Kasperowitz, and Mary Jane Gray. All... Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com.
listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Chief Parker told me confidentially that uh, Bobby Kennedy was supposed to be north of Los Angeles, some city, making a speech, but that actually he said he was seen in the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles on the night. That's a little clip from uh, the the documentary, Say Goodbye to the President. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We'll get into a little bit more of where, where was Bobby Kennedy October 4th, 1962. But before we get to that, I'd like to introduce our panel, Gary Vitaco Robles, uh, Icon, The Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2. If you're looking for a good uh, biography and thorough, unsensationalized uh, book about Marilyn, certainly pick it up. I have Leslie Kasperowitz and Mary Jane Gray also with me. Uh, Immortal Marilyn, the website, one of the biggest fan clubs, uh, fan sites and fan uh, uh, clubs in the world. Uh, they have together have you know over 30 years experience in, in Marilyn and all the people connected. So there is a lot of speculation, as we know, about what happened and who is Bobby Kennedy in a relationship or, you know, were they friends? Was it more? All the speculation that's been happening, um, you know, throughout the years since 1962 and the death not only of Marilyn, but also Bobby uh, Bobby Kennedy. So uh, welcome, panel, to the show. We're going to get jump right in. We have a lot to cover. Uh, Gary, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about um, the specifics of of Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn's relationship as we know today that we know for a fact, meaning that we know that they were at this place at this time. So let's go through the timeline so we know exactly what we're talking about factually. Well, factually, we believe that the, the first meeting was February 1st in 1962, and this would have been at um, the, the Lawford uh, beach home in the Pacific Palisades. And we know this um, because Marilyn documented the meeting in a letter to her former stepson, Bobby Miller, and to her fo- former father-in-law, uh, Isidore Miller. And Joan Greenson, her psychiatrist's um, daughter, um, also uh, documents the meeting in her uh, unpublished memoir. And actually her brother, Daniel, uh, had a discussion with Marilyn about the Attorney General's politics, and it was at that family meeting at the Greenson home that Marilyn decided to spend her time at the um, public um, reception for for Kennedy, asking him specific questions about policy. Wow. And um, what we know about that evening is that um, she was uh, seated next to Kennedy with, I believe, um, uh, Kim Novak on the other side, and she pressed him with the, the questions that she had prepared, and he noticed that she was referring to the list that was in her purse, and finally she just gave him the list, and he said that he would be happy to respond to all of them and, and mail it back to, to uh, Daniel Greenson, which, which never happened. And you know, we know by her receipts that um, the Cary Cadillac Company returned her home to at the time she was living in an apartment in Beverly Hills. She had not yet 
uh, gone into the house in um, Brentwood. Hey, Gary, and, Gary, real uh-huh. quick. When did she actually move into the house in Brentwood? It was uh, like the uh, 8th or 9th of March. Okay, so spring. All right, yeah. keep going. I'm sorry. I, I, just, um, I was just wanting to know that. And so, you know, we have the documentation of her, her, of her reactions. We know that she was uh, back in, in her apartment by 3 a.m. There's a telephone call logged in at 2.45 to um, Joe DiMaggio uh, that morning. So she actually came in a little bit earlier than the rounded-up number on the receipt for the Cadillac company. And what, what we know from um, uh, Gloria Romanoff is that at some point in the evening, uh, you know, the, the the teenage dance craze of the twist had now moved to um, high society. And um, during this party, uh, it's likely that Marilyn and, and Kennedy were dancing the twist and people kind of made a circle around them and it was kind of a mirthful uh, spectacle. And uh, Kennedy brought Marilyn to the phone and called his infirmed father and had her get on the line and speak to him. He had mm-hmm. recently st- suffered a stroke. And then we have a letter from Jean Kennedy Smith, um, Roberts and the president's sister, in which she acknowledges to Marilyn uh, a note that she had sent to Joe Kennedy, the father. And that has kind of swelled into um, a life of its own. Okay, so hold that, so hold that, hold, yeah, yeah, hold, hold that thought here because we have a lot to cover here just in this meeting. Mary Jane, do you have um, Smith's response on uh, the sec- on her secretary? You know the 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 letter there or the response? Uh, yes, I do actually. Um, in a May thirteenth, nineteen ninety four interview, um, when the um, letter was going up for auction. Jean Kennedy Smith herself said, the suggestion that the letter verifies an affair is utter nonsense. I'm shocked anyone would believe such innuendo about a letter obviously written in jest. Interesting. Okay. So an important point. And then, uh, you know, uh, Gary, do you have a short note, too, that you would like to read as well? Well, I have the actual letter, if it would be helpful to hear that. Yeah, why don't we hear that? That would be good. It says, Mother asked me to write and thank you for your sweet note to Daddy. He really enjoyed it, and you were very cute to send it. Understand that you and Bobby are the new item, exclamation point. We all think you should come with him when he comes back east. Again, thanks for the note. Love, Gene Smith. Okay. You know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, people connected to the to the Kennedys that would ha- obviously have access to this, you know, if there was something more, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, scandalous going on, those types of letters and notes would not be going back and forth. I mean, you know, usually when people are having an affair or having something, you know, people aren't talking about it. That's for sure, especially people that would have access to those types of notes. So uh, very interesting comments from both of you. So continue, uh, Gary, with the next uh, and. Leslie, do you have anything to comment on that? Oh, no, I just exactly what you said, that it's absolutely ludicrous to think that if it was true that she would, she would have put it in a letter and sent it to Marilyn like that. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. yeah if I, I mean, could just make just... one more point about that, sure. it was sure. only, it was exactly to the day a month, um, uh, about a month later, on June 13th, um, Marilyn was invited to a party for the Lawfords by Ethel and Robert Kennedy and responded to Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy. And if there was something going on, I mean, would he and his wife be inviting her to an event? 
Yeah. No, I mean, not, not like that. So, um, that's, that's, you know, obviously there's these types of information. It's really easy to make innuendos, you know, and, and make the, uh, you know, leap from JFK to Bobby Kennedy, but you also have to look at who Bobby Kennedy was. Um, and again, for everybody listening, you might be listening for the first time. There is no evidence that Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe actually had a sexual a romantic relationship. So, Gary, continue. And the next verified meeting would have been at Madison Square Garden at the JFK a birthday gala fundraiser. And um, Marilyn was behind, you know, the, the scenes and, and made her appearance, and, and the president and his family sat in a box. Um, and, you know, you, there are photographs of the, of the president and his family and their reaction uh, to Marilyn singing in the foreground. And there, there's one photograph that's very interesting to me, and that is the one uh, that shows Ethel Kennedy's joyous expression at, at Marilyn's performance. And um, it's, it's a snapshot, and, and you know, it's just in scanning the faces. Um, and what date is one, this? And what I'm date sorry? is this? What date okay, is this? It was May, May 19th, 1962 in New York City. Okay. And so, you know, Patricia Lawford, um, doesn't quite look amused in this snapshot, but Ethel's face is kind of very beaming and joyous. She's smiling brightly. And we know that um, there was a, an after party at the home of um, Arthur and Matilda Krim, and there's many photographs of that event. Uh, I, think it, I think they were published in Life magazine, um, Cocktails at Camelot. And you know, there's, a, there's one particular photo that um, Cecil Stoughton took and um, you can see, I think, Harry Belafonte in the background and uh, Marilyn's escort for the evening, her father-in-law, uh, Isidore Miller. Um, and then she's standing between uh, Robert uh, Kennedy and the president. And um, oftentimes it's cropped so that you just see the three of them but not everyone else in the background. And, uh, um, so, so hold that thought for just a moment because we have a question and I think it it. It uh, fits right, uh, really well in this uh, in this part of the segment. Uh, Jane uh, from Milwaukee says uh, to the panel, uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, singing that risque, that type of risque. Uh, you know, she goes into that she was risque. What? What what does she say? I'm I'm trying to trying to read through it. She basically is asking uh, with the risque, risque performance of Marilyn Monroe, why didn't the Kennedy weren't the Kennedy family more upset with that? So that's that's basically the question. I'm having a hard time reading what she's really asking me. So so um, Leslie, do you want to answer that real quick? Uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know any thoughts about Marilyn's performance that day with the Kennedy singing "Happy Birthday, Mr. President." Many people think that it was a it was a personal seduction. What do you what do you say to that? I think that Marilyn Monroe got on stage and she played Marilyn Monroe. She did just what was expected of her, which was to be the sexy Marilyn image that she had created. Um, whether or not the Kennedys were upset, I sincerely doubt it. This performance was rehearsed ahead of time. Many people who were, you know, behind the scenes, setting everything up and getting everything organized, knew perfectly well what she was going to do when she got on stage. Um, there's pictures of her rehearsing. So we know that had there been any concern about 
whether or not her performance was going to be taken as inappropriate, somebody likely would have stepped in prior to her going on stage. Um, I, I just, I really see it as a performance of Marilyn putting on the Marilyn show and doing kind of what America expects from Marilyn Monroe. Uh, you look at all of her performances in, in a lot of her movies, and it's that very sex kittenish kind of performance that she's done in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and that sort of thing. And I think she repeated that performance and did it beautifully. Great point. All right, Gary, continue. And um, we, we know that Marilyn re- uh, returned uh, her father-in-law to Brooklyn and went back to her apartment after the birthday gala, and James Haspiel, one of her greatest fans um, in New York, um, greeted her uh, at her apartment afterwards um, early in the morning hours. So we know she returned home alone. And then, as Mary Jane said, we have the invitation to Hickory Hill for June 17th by both uh, Kennedy and his wife, and um, she uh, regretted and and declined the invitation. And then the the evidence kind of ends there. There's um, mention in many um, biographies that Marilyn met with him again at the Lawford home on June 26th. Um, when he was giving a speech to um, the National Insurance Association. However, the records of that speech are actually July 26. And what makes this confusing is that there were some receipts um, or invoices sent to her estate by Alan Snyder and um, Agnes Flanagan to prepare her for an event. Who and is Alan Snyder? So I, I know um, who Marilyn's um, a makeup artist, and Agnes Flanagan would have been a hairstylist. Okay. And um, at least uh, Snyder's receipt says that the June 26th party at the Lawfords was in honor of Robert Kennedy, um, but Flanagan's does not. And we really can't place him in Los Angeles on, on June 26th. I did some research in the Chicago Tribune. And I see that um, he was actually in Chicago announcing that he was going to retry um, a syndicate leader. And then um, he was having breakfast uh, at the Blackstone Hotel with the, the mayor of Chicago, and then he was off to Denver. So I can't quite place him um, in June in Los Angeles. But how about July? Um, July, he on July 26th. He is at the Statler Hilton Hotel. And where is that? Addressing the, um, the, the insurance. Um, and where is that in Los Angeles? That's in Los Angeles. Okay, so he's in Los Angeles. And where's Marilyn? July 26th, um, she's preparing to leave for uh, the Lake Tahoe weekend of the 27th, 28th, and 29th. So is there, an, is there a possibility that they could have meet, met on July 26th, but there's no evidence. I, 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 that, that's what I hear you saying. It's, it's, it's difficult because the, the Chicago 26 uh, Sh- uh, Tribune edition says that he's, um, I think there's an issue with, with a bomb threat, and um, he, he, he's delayed, and then he has to be spirited out of, uh, out of the city. There was an assassination threat that had come into an FBI um, office in Los Angeles, which might have cut short his time there. And Mary Jane, do you have the clipping from that? Um, I do. I don't have it on hand at the moment. But, yes, I did find, um, I found old newspaper clippings 
uh, saying that on July 26th, when he was due to give his speech in Los Angeles, um, a death threat came in mm-hmm. and that the FBI rushed him back to his hotel and then he was flown out of L.A. on the first flight back to Washington. Okay. So that's, so, that's documented. Okay, so at least we know that. Um, whether or not there was an interim of them to meet, you know, there's absolutely no facts right now unless anybody has them and you'd like to send them in. You know, we're, we're always welcoming new evidence, not necessarily hearsay, but evidence. If you have evidence about Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe being together more than what we're talking about, we certainly want to hear from you. So, uh, and did Mary Jane or Leslie, do you have any other comments as it relates to what, uh, what uh, uh, Gary is talking about? Well, I would like to add in terms of the July um, visit uh, that Marilyn was just still recovering from a surgery that she'd had um, the previous weekend, I believe. Uh, and it seems unlikely to me, if we're not to get too detailed, but if we're talking about a possible sexual relationship, the, the surgery that she had uh, was in in that area. Well, <laughs> so well, it was uh, it was to do with her her ongoing problems that she had. Um, endometriosis and that sort of thing and she it seems very unlikely to me that Marilyn would have been looking for a sexual liaison at that time so let's let's not uh, we're going to continue this conversation but I just want to put the thought out there is that maybe the connection and the potential meeting at that time had nothing to do with a sexual relationship but if indeed he was trying to get her to distance themselves from her from the Kennedys and was trying to talk to her that had nothing to do with them having a sexual relationship but a relationship especially uh, tied to the president let's continue that conversation and see if that could be a possibility. You're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. We are talking about the connection between Marilyn Monroe and Bobby Kennedy. We'll be back right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. With me is the panel, Gary Vitaco Robles, Mary Jane Gray, and Leslie Kasperowitz, as we are delving a little deeper into the relationship between Attorney General Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Mary Jane, during the break, you had a very good point about when actually the surgery was that Marilyn had that would have kept her from having a sexual relationship. What was the date of that? That was July 20th, 1962, that she entered Cedars of Lebanon Hospital for uh, gynecological surgery for her chronic endometriosis. Yeah, so, so... Yeah, within the week following that, she's certainly not having any trysts with anybody. So, so back to my comment before we went into the, into the break, how about the theory of they don't have a sexual relationship or romantic relationship, but she, because Bobby did a lot of things for his brother, uh, that he was actually the theory, and it is a theory, that he was trying to get her to stop bothering the president. Uh, anybody want to jump in with that one? Well, there's no real evidence that she was bothering the president. You know, when we look at the dates that they were together, when we look at her phone records, there's, there's nothing to indicate that she was hounding him or harassing him. And those stories all come from, you know, people later on in the 70s and 80s who wanted to make a buck for themselves. Um, from the time, there's, there's nothing to indicate that that was even going on. Okay. So um, let's get into... August 4th, we've got a couple of uh, feedback from some listeners that obviously do some research here themselves. Uh, A listener who wants to keep anonymous says that Mrs. Murray, as I think we can all agree, was part of Marilyn's household, not so much as a housekeeper, but an extension of Dr. Greenson, someone to be in the house and keep an eye out on uh, for Marilyn. Her loyalty, though, was much more to Dr. Greenson than to Marilyn, although I do believe she genuinely cared for Marilyn. But while Greenson was alive, she kept to the official story concerning timing, etc., of the night. But once Greenson passed away, Mrs. Murray did change her story in the documentary Say Goodbye to the President. She admits on camera after a comment, why should I have kept this secret after all these years, that Robert Kennedy had been at that house that afternoon. In the same documentary, she states that the, the door to Marilyn's bedroom was not locked. She admitted to that the door not being locked and RFK being at the house on camera. And two Marilyn Monroe researchers after Greenson's death, one of which I know very well, totally, totally believe and trust, this researcher, re- researcher has looked her up in the phone book, meaning uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Murray, when she was still quite young and over the years the two became friends. Through phone calls and exchange of letters, she was clear and empathetic when she told him that Robert Kennedy had been to the house that afternoon. What do you say? Uh, well, I'm going to start with, um, yes, it's true that Murray did seem to change her tune after Greenson died, but uh, the questions where um, she stated, why am I still covering up after all these years, that was not 
indirect relationship to a question about RFK. That's taken out of context repeatedly, um, and it comes up a lot, but nobody actually knows what she's referring to, and I don't believe that that's actually on record anywhere. I think it was just reported that she said that. Yeah, it's okay. not an, it doesn't appear on camera. In the 2012 um, edition of Anthony Summers' book, which uh, that documentary uh, was based upon in 1985, in, in the book he says that she said that to the crew as they were wrapping up, but um, uh, he doesn't even make the claim that it was on camera, and we don't see that clip in the documentary, but it's referred to. So what is the uh, official story, Mary Jane, maybe you can uh, break this down for us, that day, uh, you know, uh, we've done this numerous times, but f- people always like the timeline, right? <laughs> is uh, that afternoon, so, you know, Marilyn and, and uh, Patricia Newcomb were together, you know, uh, uh, Patricia Newcomb gets up about 12 noon, and then from then on, what is the breakdown uh, until Greenson gets there? Um, from noon until, oh, well, Greenson showed up, I believe we established about 5 p.m., Mm-hmm. Um, Marilyn had a normal day. She did some gardening. She received some deliveries. She wrote a couple of checks to pay for things. There was nothing seemingly unusual that happened. Okay. Um, yeah, it we was just, kind of puttered around the house that day. What was that, Gary? We, we know that a mechanic returned Eunice Murray's vehicle, and she brought him into the house for a tour. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he left. Yes, yes. So that's uh, that's important. Um, here is another uh, response from David, who says that there's been a lot of research into Marilyn. Couldn't it be possible that Peter Lawford had accompanied RFK to the house? If he did, with RFK, Peter, and Patricia Newcomb that afternoon, sounds like an intervention with all three, with all three having ties to both Marilyn and JFK. Sitting Marilyn down and explaining fully that that there needed to be no further contact between her or any members of the family other than Peter and Pat Lawford, I'm sure that it was very heated and a tense situation that is likely why Greenson asked Pat to leave the house. And from the write-ups, it seems that there was no lingering anger and on Marilyn's part towards Pat Newcomb. Panel, your response to that one? Well, that seems to be speculation. And, and those have come out of um, biographers' books that create this scenario without any eyewitnesses. So it's, it's a theory, but there's, there's no eyewitness account that states any of those things actually occurred. The the one thing I would say that um, is is uh, is uh, lurking in my mind, um, and and this is also from my talking to you know LA officials both on the legal and law enforcement side, um, there is multiple nobody nobody waivers or anything about Bobby Kennedy being in Los Angeles that day, uh, so so you have that aspect of it. Then you have multiple people, whether it's true or not. It's not just the L.A. law officials. There's other people saying that he was there that day. You have uh, the witness that, uh, uh, what was the, the Bates Ranch, Gary, talk a little bit about that, the, the official yeah, well, story. We know, that, we know that on Friday, okay. August 3rd, um, Kennedy, his wife and kids, um, arrived in San Francisco, and they, they went up to Gilroy to the to Bates Ranch and spent the, the weekend from Friday until 
I guess, Monday. Uh, the Sunroy uh, dispatch has them going to mass on Sunday morning. And there were a lot of other um, uh, politicians and public officials who were present that weekend with their, their families. Um, there was a, a, an, attorney, an attorney in Maryland, um, several people and their family, and, and there's photographs of the event. So, you know, the speculation is, was Kennedy able to slip away briefly and um, take a helicopter or a plane to Los Angeles and then somehow come, come back and be able to explain his absence or did it um, in, in a clandestine way? Um, I mean that's that that is a that is a theory, but you know he's well, also well. And here's like, and here's and here's the thing, guys, and and we may not ever know, but this is where it becomes a very interesting conversation, because let's just say there wasn't anything happening at all, right? Nothing. Okay. Why the cover up? Why the cover up? There is clearly a cover up, and the question is, what are we what are we covering up if there's nothing to hide? Anybody want to jump into that one? I mean, seriously. I mean, I know we're 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 moving out of of we're talking about theory, but in this case now that we've already proved the facts, we already know what the facts are. But I just want to point out, if there's nothing to hide, nothing to cover up, something is being covered up. The question is what? Right? Well, it's possible that there is something to cover up, but what that is isn't necessarily evidence of uh, murder or even of affairs. Uh, it's hard to say who all would have been involved. Uh, I believe the studio was the main part of cleaning up her home and her records. Uh, I think that they were protecting themselves uh, to do with her life insurance policies and that sort of thing, uh, and or rather the policies that they had on her. And I think that there was some cover-up on the part of her doctors as well. And we obviously know that Engelberg lied. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, they were covering their own negligence. So there's all kinds of people who have reasons to keep a real investigation from happening. Uh, whether that necessarily goes all the way up to the Kennedys, is it's just conjecture. Okay. Gary, you want to join in on that one? And, and I think at, at when, you know, when a public figure like Marilyn, you know, uh, assumingly back in the 60s, taking her own life um, and having any connection, even socially, to the president and his family, um, I think they would want to distance themselves from just um, being anyhow associated um, with her on that level. And if an investigation was going to take place and, you know, they would be uh, a part of that or for having spent any time with her in the last um, six months, I can see where they would want to distance themselves from um, a celebrity and a celebrity death that would get um, attention. And um, there there might be correspondence between them as well. There were telegrams, um, certainly invitations. Um, you know, the culture was very different back then and what was um, considered uh, proper and propriety and um, a death that was somehow uh, blown up in the media. I, I can see where they would want to distance themselves for, for that reason alone, given the so, times. 
So what I want to do is just point out right now, you know, um, when this 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 afternoon to obviously after Greenson leaves and and then, you know, on, it gets very, very murky and everybody has theories. And I think the goal of this show and I want to I want to just really propose to anybody that's out there. We certainly get research in in terms of people's theories and we get uh, this is what I think. But if anybody has anything that is more specific, okay, in terms of being able to prove without a shadow of a doubt, fact, some type of fact that Bobby Kennedy was there that day, right, and or what the the panel is talking about in terms of uh, what was going on in terms of the studio, et cetera, that we may never be able to prove specifically what actually happen with all the people that are there. But I know that there is something somewhere out there that could give us a little bit more of what actually happened on August 4th, 1962. And that's where the, the our investigation, the real life investigation is going to start uh, moving into. The LA uh, officials that are starting to very much warm up to the idea of being able to work with us it is history, 53 years later after Marilyn's death. Um, what I don't want to do right now, I, I know we've been doing this over the last few few weeks. Uh, we, we think that we're going to get to two conversations, and the conversation with Bobby Kennedy and about Bobby Kennedy is a significant one. Um, one, because there's a lot of rumors and miscommunication and misinformation out there, but as you can see, it's also a key point to understanding for ourselves is it Dr. Greenson and Dr. Engelberg? Is it the movie studio? Is it Bobby Kennedy or the Kennedys in general that are trying to distance themselves from Marilyn? Why the cover-up? Mary Jane, your remaining uh, thoughts on uh, the subject of Bobby Kennedy. Oh, uh, one other thing I did want to mention is our wonderful researcher, April, did uh, some amazing studying into uh, 1960s helicopter speeds and uh, actually found out that the distance between Gilroy, where Bobby was staying, and Los Angeles would have taken seven hours round trip by helicopter. Wow, Um, that's important. He was at a dinner party in Gilroy at 10 p.m. that night. So if you do seven-hour helicopter flight, the latest he could have been in L.A. if he was there was 6.30, which is a full hour and a half to two hours before Marilyn passed away. Got it. Um, Good point. And then you really have to sit and think, like, what is worth him leaving his family for the weekend and spending seven hours of travel time? Very good point, Mary Jane. Very good point. Gary? I know that Marilyn was contacting the Justice Department um, on Monday mornings um, for several weeks before she died. And we know that Kennedy was associated with um, Hey, Gary, 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 so sorry. I want you to pick that up where we left off next week, right? And we'll get into the prevention team. We are running out of time. Uh, Leslie, save your thought for next week as well for Bobby Kennedy. We'll wrap it up and we'll get right into the prevention, suicide prevention team. Wow, the show's already over. 
I am so thankful to the panel for being here this week. Uh, next week, we will pick up at our very last show. Scott Fortner will also be with us. He is a Maryland collector. Many of you know him, Maryland fans. And we will celebrate and finish our discussion on the suicide prevention team, really Maryland's death and passing, and what we can do to remember her legacy. Thank you so much for being a part of the, this week's uh, Goodnight Maryland radio show. That's a wrap. And remember, I'm Nina Bosky, and never stop dreaming. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week. We'll be right back.